0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of RV Weekly, our weekly podcast about the Jewish world, religious Zionism, and modern Orthodoxy. My name is Ruben Spolter, and I'm here with Robert Molly Brodsky. Hi, Molly. Ra- hi. Ra- Mali. hi. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> Molly Brodsky okay. is a senior faculty member and director of the Shana program at Michlele and also maintains a clinical social work practice in Gush Etzion. With us also is a Rav Johnny Solomon, who teaches at Matan, Machon Mayan, Midrash at Linnibad, Midrash at Torah and is a writer and editor of Jewish content for organizations literally around the world. Hello, Rav Johnny. Hello, Rav <laughs> I'm Reuven Svolter, the director of OTS, Amiel Bakila, and also the rabbinic liaison for English-speaking countries for Irgun Rav Sohar. We should talk about that once. Today, in today's episode, we're going to talk about a... Uh, Post-election, we would call it a post-election wrap-up. We're not a political show. We're the religious Zionist show. We're going to focus only on that, uh, only on that segment of the election, and then we'll discuss. Each one with somebody who will share thoughts about the upcoming Rosh Hashanah no Ra'im season. So, um, without getting into the news, I could. I think it's fair to say that the religious Zionist community did not fare very well in the most recent elections. After the 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 joining of the by HaYehudi with Ichul Umi, and I think there was another party in there, for Ayala for Chakeh to only garner six seats, and for Utsma Yahudi 70,000 votes to have not uh, over um, uh, reached the thre- the threshold, and for all of us after all of that, to gain only six seats is a uh, pretty sad showing, and everybody agreed about it. So I guess the first question I wanted to ask Molly is, do you agree that it was a pretty much colossal failure? And also, I'd like you to, to speak about the idea that that do you think it was connected to the idea that a supposedly or a, a named religious Zionist party was headed by a secular woman?
1: Okay. Um, no, I don't agree with your assessment. I, I look at it from, through a pretty different lens. First of all, I think that uh, Itamar Ben Gvir threw four mandates down the toilet, which I think was a very big shame. Um, but at the same time, I'm quite happy that he did not pass the fr- threshold. I think that's, I, I personally, this is, you know, my own opinion, obviously, but um, I'm happy to know that um, running alone, Otzma Yehudi, cannot pass the threshold. That says something about where the mentality is of, um, you know, the mo- most religious Zionists in this country, and I actually think that's good. Um, I, I think that the whole question, I don't, don't think it had anything to do with her being led by a woman. Um, again, unless I got my head in the sand and like, there are really like Cardali people.
0: No, I didn't mean woman. I meant
1: secular, secular woman. Secular woman. I, I don't think that either. And that might be like a uh, reflection of something deeper. I think everybody loves Ayala Chakay. I believe that that is true. I believe she, I think she probably garnered more votes than Bennett could have. I think people voted for who would not have voted for Bennett. Um, I think they think that she's a, a, um, a successful politician. I think they like her. I, I don't think she lost votes because she was secular, but I do think that what you're what you're what you're pointing to is that is that we don't have in the religious Zionist world, um, and we've I think we spoke about this you know last April as well. Um, we don't, as a group, have one political voice that speaks for us. Um, I think that that there's something positive about that. I think that says something positive about that because I think. First of all, I think it's ultimately positive that we are a diverse group, and that they're, they're, the, the religious Zionist world is made up of many, as opposed to, let's say, other factions that are very cohesive. There's, 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 the religious Zionist world is not as cohesive as that. You have again the Kav Kardal world. You have the um, Dati Light world, and then you have some. some this is a post. Because he's like, and you also have like serious Torahni religious Zionists who are not Kavniki. So that's like already three segments in one. The other thing that's interesting about that world is that they is that many of them, not all of them, but many of them don't feel the need to vote partisan, as opposed to in the Haredi world, where it's very clear. My vote is going to a Haredi party because that's my affiliation. That the Tzuhumi world doesn't vote automatically for itself. And again, I think that that comes from, from a bunch of reasons: um, some sociological, some ideological. Um, Again, I think part of it's because people who are me see themselves as part of the larger picture, and they don't necessarily affiliate just with their group, so they might feel obligated, let's say, to pop- prop up some other party that they think needs to be propped up, but I do think that there's a problem here, which is that because of all of these complexities, there is a halal left, and I think, Ruby, that's what you're sensitive to. like as a constituency we don't have someone speaking for us and we don't think about ourselves that way and unlike the Haredim who are very clear about their th- themselves as a political animal right we are worth this much politically um, we're going to demand this and that we're going to you know get money for our for our, for for the things that we need we don't think that way we don't go and and and, and say you know we're all the vote we're going to rally around first of all we're very divided we need to be united but also politically, we don't go and say now we demand from you, oh government, these specific things. So. That-
0: okay, I want to turn to Johnny. Thank you. I'm going to Johnny. I want to ask you the same question and ask whether you agree with Molly. A, do you think that it was a failure uh, to gain only six seats? And also, do you think that that failure stemmed from the fact that it was the party was led by a secular woman?
2: Okay, firstly, just briefly talk about Yelet Shaked. Yelet Shaked is more complex than merely labeling her as a secular woman. She's a woman who uh, is very, very honest about her uh, non-fully practicing of Judaism. At the same time, she's very, very warm to Jewish practice. She's very supportive and very involved to her level, uh, according to her choice of lifestyle. So. She's not a rabid secular in the slightest. She's chosen to say, I align myself with many people. I align myself with many of the values that uh, are constant with the Dati Lumi world. And though those aren't always my top priorities, they are on that list. So that's just a brief uh, side point. I don't think that she harmed the vote. However, you framed the question in a way that did Ayel Shaked and, and that block do an injustice to the datilo Mi world, and let's be clear, that's not how elections work. People go to the polls and they vote, which means the datilo Mi world, you could claim, did an injustice to a party which allegedly said they were going to represent their needs. Uh, Ayelet Shekhed was quite clear in, in terms of presuming that there would be no better address if you are a religious Zionist person on all parts of that spectrum than she and that collective cluster of parties. And clearly the people felt different. So the question really isn't not what did she necessarily do wrong. I think she uh, did a lot of things right. And politics is a messy game. And I don't think we could claim or posit that she made more mistakes than any other politician necessarily, other than perhaps she was less malicious and less backstabbing or, or she was far too honest. Nonetheless, the people chose not to go with her. And so you've got to ask why. And I think here there is some of the points that Mahdi said are entirely correct, that many of the religious Zionist uh, world don't feel that absolute need of being loyal to a particular party, but I would say different. Maybe they would have been if there'd been a consistent religious Zionist party that's been around for 30, 40 years. But as we've discussed previously, there hasn't. There've been attempts and those have failed and there've been other attempts and those have failed. This is a new conglomerate. And so What do you do when you're not entirely sure whether the rhetoric being offered that they do speak for you is true? Moreover, and i would end with this point, there is also this balance of pragmatism versus idealism. I think the religious Zionist world in general has tapered in its uh, idealistic drive. Uh, We've seen this, obviously, for a whole bunch of reasons, uh, most significantly triggered by the disengagement. But that's certainly not the only uh, factor involved. And so idealism itself is playing less and less of a role in this sector. And people say, "You know, I'm going to the polls. I like this lady. i she kind of seems to be saying the things I want to hear, but sometimes better the devil, you know. And uh, am I really sure that they're representing my view? And uh, I, I'm not even so sure how much what they're saying, which is really well polished um, you know cue cards about what should be speaking to the religious Zionist community are really what speaks to me. Most religious Zionists still want basically a house over their head, you know, good education, good healthcare. Uh, and these are general points. They want good security uh, and good defense. And for many people, and I'm not here speaking for myself on, on this regard, that's gonna be why they choose one party over the other. So I don't think necessarily there was failings in terms of that campaign. I think there were choices made by the electorate, uh, and what we see from what what we've got is, you know, with thirty three, and could thirty two, etc. And you, and as you mentioned there, with with uh, was with uh, uh, was it seventeen? I think, it just I think flipped, eventually. By
1: the way, it
2: right? um, didn't just flip; didn't they Could have. Yeah, t- t- I, think, I think seventeen. But oh, but the reality is right, that, stay, that's just what make, democracy yeah, you is focus all about.
0: Just on the religious side. I don't want to get into yeah,
2: the other yeah, yeah. thing. Okay, right, so that, that's what the people voted for.
0: Yeah, but okay, so I want to respond to my own question and give, uh, I have uh, obviously something to say about this. And I think, Johnny, it's only fair to say <laughs> that if, you know, you're very nice to Ayala Chiquette, and I appreciate that. But if you want to talk about, is a politician a success or a failure, I happen to love Ayala Chiquette. I think she's a wonderful person. But as a politician, she just didn't bring in the votes. Meaning they went in a certain direction and decided that instead of going focusing on on Hayudi and sectarian issues, they called their party specifically Yamina, which means that it, it's a political bent and less a religious bent, focused on the Zionist side because they wanted to expand it, and in doing so, pushed out the you would call them extremists, but um, the, the Otzma base. They pushed them to the side. They pushed them to the right. They didn't want to have them in their party, and also in doing so, focused. And I think Bennett also did this in the last uh, time. They wanted to be they wanted to be Likud right. But they wanted to mm-hmm. do it, they wanted to do it on the backs of the religious Zionist population. And what they said is basically, give us your base, give us your votes. But at the same time, we're then going to go ahead and make sure that BB stays on the right track vis-a-vis right-wing issues. And Ayel did an amazing job in the Misnata Mishpatim. And it could be like a very important thing for the religious Zionist public. But it doesn't speak to our basic, to, to many of the religious Zionist public's basic concerns. For example, I've said this over and over again, if, you know, if you would ask, like what do people talk about on their Shabbat table or what they don't think about, like you said, putting a roof over your head, day school tuition. I mean, this might be surprising to to uh, to someone living in America who thinks that tuition is free. It's not free. An 18,000 shekel a year, even if it's for a great education and including dorm, is a lot of money for somebody living in Israel. If you have And if you have three kids or four kids, or you have a son in Yeshivat has there the idea that we're paying 18,000 shekel a year for my son to study Yeshivat is there and serve in the army is obscene. You know, when I feel, when my cousins or my brothers or whoever, children, are paying a fraction of that for their children to be in Yeshiva full-time in charedi yeshiva, And why is that? That's because their politicians say our public won't pay this, and the government should pay it. And our politicians say we care about Mishrani Mishpatim. Meaning, what you have here in my mind is a is uh, an attempt to use a square peg in a round hole, and to say, "I want my right wing politics based on the on the electorate uh, that votes for religious Zionist." And it's not working anymore. It never worked, and it's not working anymore. And I happen to think that if you want to vote right wing, you should vote for the Likud. And if you want to vote religious issues, you should vote. There should be a party that's a, a niche party. It should have five seats or six seats, and say, "We're going to talk about tuition." We're gonna. We're not going to abandon religious issues to the Haredim, which we have totally, totally done. Meaning, oh, nobody. Can, we used to care about these things. We used to vote about, you know, when the power plants were open and when they brought the the jet fighters. I mean, we used to care about these things. My representatives don't care about it anymore, and, I don't, and I'm not asking how to care about it. Whether it's through teshuva and through understanding and through dialogue, we just they don't want to talk about it. A Chaket cannot talk about religious religious issues, and, and to me, I think. First of all, that, that a lot of religious is went and voted Shas because of that reason.
2: Is that and, true? Because uh, I
0: no, you say, like,
1: Yeah, go ahead. No, I, you I, say I, you're I,
0: happy that people didn't vote for Utsma. I want to tell you, this might shock you. I really strongly considered voting Utsma. And, and in the end, the racist thing is, is a lot. It's really a lot. But young people vote for Utsma because young people say to themselves, they're the only people talking about true Jewish values. Meaning, who else is reflecting my values? If Naftali Bennett was in the Misrad Enoch you know, for four years, English is great, and math is great. But what about... You? And I'm sure he funded Jewish values, but he didn't speak about them, because God forbid he should speak about Jewish values being from the Baye Yehudi. And I happen to think that that's something... I happen to think we have to make a decision. But this idea of having the Ayala Chaked and, and thinking that we're going to be the head of the New Likud, that perhaps... I think that was our fatal flaw. And that maybe if Ravi Peretz learns how to be a good politician and that he can represent you know, the values of religious Judaism without having to apologize, you know, some combination of him and Metzalus Smotrich, like, you know, some finding some combination between the two, and that they should be a party and represent the values of Hityas the values of, of classic religious Zionism, and up to the Kav, and including Otsma, and then you have par- power, and you find your, the things you need to find. And we should be in charge of Israel at that and not just... Okay. You, know, you, don't, you don't realize about these that we've totally abandoned the chareidim that we all pay a price for, and that Israeli society. Pays uh, uh, price. So that, that I agree with you
1: a hundred percent in the sense that, and that's what I was trying to say that like we've abandoned the idea of being a religious party that fights for our own interests. And I agree with you that probably you know some of them are practical, like you said tuition, and some of them are ideological. Um, and I agree with you again about if we if we could if if. We could be, if the stranglehold of the Haredim over the Rabbanut could be loosened and and there was enough political clout behind Habayit HaYehudi and it was an interest of theirs and they could, as you said, give that over to reasonable people.
0: Molly, it could be loosened. It can be loosened if that's your issue, if you okay, care so about I agree with it, you. if you're willing I, to go to the is about I that. I
1: just think that it's very complicated because I, I do think Osama should be out um, I'm glad that they, that they're out. I'm very angry that we, we lost, that's four mandates. Those are four mandates that could have. And again, We don't talk about politics, but those four mandates had they, had they gone to the right, there would be a government. It would have
0: made a difference. He still wouldn't have been to the 61. But I, I want know. to, I, actually, I, I used to agree with you. I don't
1: think I that used that's true, to agree I, with think you about he, the... I think he was four short. I don't think that that's true. I think if he had four. Well, mand- first
0: of all, it was 70,000 votes. So it's two mandates. And okay. I used to think, I used okay. to think that those are wasted votes. But think That's about it in America. If you vote Democrat and the Republican wins, did you waste your vote? Yeah, your guy didn't get in. Is that a wasted vote? No. You expressed your opinion and you lost. Here, no, these people know. voted Otsma. Here
1: it's And if because we, you're literally for the religious about community.
0: And and obviously, obviously Otsma. So you have to ask yourself. It's, yeah, you could say it's a wasted vote, or you could say, one second, the Otsma reflects a value in this community. If we don't appeal to that, we're going to lose their okay, vote. good.
1: Then I agree with you. Then, I, then say it that way. But can we appeal without the, as you said, we appeal without the racism? Can we, can we have a voice? And again, I would Smutrich is a disaster. He should not be the voice of the religious Zionist community. Um, Rafi Peretz, I think, has, has been um, smeared. He has to learn how to talk better. But I think if we could find somebody to represent the voice of the religious Zionist world in a way that is at once lucid and at the same time passionate um, and, uh, and, and, as you're saying, uncompromising about certain religious values, that would be fabulous. Um, I, yeah, I, but
0: right, Rafi Peres has been smeared because he wants to be uncompromising. And when Smutris is uncompromising, uncom- you yeah, take the s- left-wing no, media about how disastrous no, he is. No,
1: no, no, no. He, he says you have to know how to talk. You have to know how to talk. You have to know what to say and what not to say. Smutrich does not know how to talk. He does not know what to say and what not to say. And he comes out with things that objectively are um, not just stupid, but offensive. I'm sorry. He's an embarrassment. One second.
2: I I want to interrupt because you're presuming that in the best case scenario, a uh, a really coherent and uh, candid, competent and confident head of a religious Zionist party could sway religious Zionists to vote in sufficient number to make a significant difference in governmental decision-making.
1: Yeah. Now, that's
2: presuming a lot on the electorate, because as I suggested, I'm not so convinced that the even those who identify as religious Zionists are as hardened in terms of their ideological uh, aligning of religious Zionist politicians. And in fact, a lot of them have much more universal concerns. And that's reflected in whom they vote for. But Do you think, Johnny, it's enough
0: to get five or six seats?
1: Do you think it's enough to get five or six seats? Even in your case, you're not going to get, you're not going to ever, maybe what they should do is what you're saying, which is to make peace with, I'm going to do it Ruby's way. I'm going to, and I agree with Johnny's point, which is, I'm not going to try for 12 or 14, which is what? Correct. Then it's dream. I'm going to be, as you said, all the Gatilumi people plus some extra Hiloni who also agree with me. Forget it. Forget that dream. It's never going to work. Those people are votingly could. Instead, right. be sectarian. Be honest about it. And be and have your goal be between five to eight mandatim. Gamarnu. And be successful. That, 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 I think that's not a bad idea.
2: Okay. So then the whole point is you need to clarify what is success or failure. Because Ruby's first question is, did they fail? One could make the argument, again, and I, I must make it clear to the listenership, and you guys already know, I'm, I'm not a hardened uh, uh, a politics follower. Obviously, I'm proud to vote in the elections and do my due diligence in considering whom to vote for. But nonetheless, it, maybe this isn't such a failure. Maybe six, seven yeah, seats is a, is a success. Based on the desire of that electorate, and maybe the electorate, the religious Zionist world, is coming to grips with its own um, place within the wider Israeli society and what itself wants. It itself has gone through a whole variety of changes. It's fractured. It's had numerous scandals, as has many other uh, groups themselves. And maybe we've come to say, you know, seven out of 120, that's as as good as it's going to get.
1: But I think Johnny. Another question you, is, what do you do with that? Not just that. I think Ruby is right that that there's place to be clearer about what you stand for as a religious Zionist and how you're representing your community. That's where I I, I, I agree with you about, you know, being at peace with this. But I I would agree with Ruby that we, as a community, we should be more um, strong about. And again, it's complicated because we don't all agree, but we should...
0: I, I agree, but I think well, exactly, Molly, when I'm voting for, for um, Yabina, if I vote mantant. for Yamina, I want to know, what am I voting for? What am I voting for? What am I going to get? You know what I'm saying? Am I going to... Are you going to try to be... Like, why do I need smutters? So are you going to be I mean, you know, like, I'm sure he'll do a fine job. I don't know if he'll do a fine job. But why is that the interest of, of the religious Zionist public, unless, of course, he's... Pushing your tunnels, which I, I got, and you know, some which I,
1: that would be awesome. I you're
0: gonna, you guys should be screaming. I know. Where, where, it, F- it takes
1: me an hour and a half to get into Shalayim. I'm going to say it now. This is my public. Stop building. Start building infrastructure. I don't need more. <laughs> I need roads. There said my.
0: <laughs> okay. I think all we've done. I think we've. Uh, if anybody has something to add, Johnny, you want to add something before we turn to
2: Rosh Hashanah. I think let's turn to Rosh Hashanah. Where Rosh okay. That's a good idea. Please, Johnny. Where
0: Kimad Rosh Hashanah? We mentioned the idea that, um, the, that the elections can be a reflection of the idea of a desire for change. At least a third of the Israeli public voted Avam, which is, if anything, it's I don't want Bibi, which means they want something different. But very often, uh, Johnny mentioned this: you don't know exactly what you want when you um, you don't know exactly what you want if you're voting for change, unless you. And it's better. Sometimes to know what you want afterwards. So I thought this, was, Johnny, is a good opportunity if you'd like to share some a thought for Rosh Hashanah, moving in that direction, the idea of change and uh, focusing specifically.
2: Well, I I think here, to my and we were discussing this before we, we went on air. I I think the elections say that a lot of the population want some kind of change and aren't entirely sure where to find it. But more significantly, I'd like to share the following kind of thought, which is. Uh, you know, pol- politics is a messy game. I alluded to that before. And one of the things that, the, that Chazal in Man Pesachim notes that K- Kaddosh Baruch Hu truly hates is somebody who says, um, uh, somebody who says one thing and thinks something completely different. And pre the elections, you hear lots of things from lots of politicians. And as, as a result of the elections, as we've seen based on a whole variety of events, including Ruby Revlin's, uh, you know, Endeavors to try and put together some kind of government, what's been said before is being uh, not just taken back, but the opposite being said or what's been said publicly is different to what's been said privately. I think the Israeli public, truth is, I think every member of public ever in the world, deserve leaders who are consistent and who are honest. And let's remind ourselves the story of Yosef and his brothers, where we're told. <laughs> And on that, Rashi says, he says actually as a, as a praise about the brothers, they actually said, we hate him, that there is, there is virtue in acknowledging where you stand and, and, and what you lean towards and what you believe in. What frustrates the public, or at least what frustrates me is, even when people say one thing, at the end of the day, the minute after the election, you're hearing very, very different things. And it's about trust. Whom can I trust? Uh, And is there truth is, is there anybody that I can truly believe in that when they say they're going to go down one particular policy, obviously, it's even more complex. Johnny, I I want to interrupt you for a second, because what you're
0: saying on the one hand, it resonates so strongly with me that the the idea that Judaism really, you know, reviles someone like, you know, is one of the one of the things that we're maybe for, like just saying veto and not meaning it. But on the other hand, the reason politicians lie to us, the reason Bibi gets up and says, I'm going to annex you know, the entire West Bank or whatever, is because it works. Because they realize that we buy people who lie to us, we want them to lie to us, and we vote for the people that lie to us. So how do you deal, you're, you're, I really think of you as a deep thinker, how do you deal with the fact that on the one hand, we want people to tell us the truth, but we won't vote for people who tell us the truth. We'll never vote for somebody who says, you know, we're going to have to raise taxes. This is like, what are we going to do? We only vote for the people that lie to us, and hurray, that's why politics is where it is today. I, I, because we only vote for the people that tell us what we want to hear.
2: I, I think I think you've hit the nail on the head. Which is that's. So I've just lost you a little bit, but you've hit the nail on the head because. I think we do need that change. I think we do deserve that change. And uh, whatever well, may be done before, actually, maybe the time for shana is, is evident that we, we can change the, the discourse, the rhetoric of politics. Because and, and if we're always presuming that people are going to lie to us, and we want that to happen, we're creating a really toxic society. And that's what we saw before the, the elections. is, that's what we're seeing after the elections. And if this is a country you choose to live in and you're proud to live in, and yet for many weeks, months before the elections and many months afterwards, you hear deceit um, from the people you're supposed to re- at least respect, if not revere, that that gives everyone a real bit of uh, frustration and, and I say almost disgust towards uh, the people you'd like to salute, the people you'd like to uh, admire. So that's my hope for a new year, that we can all be a little bit truer to ourselves and we should have leaders who can be truer to uh, the electorate.
0: Amen. Mali,
2: you have, you have a thought you'd like to share?
1: Yeah, no, I just want to add to that. Um, I, I, I agree very much with what Johnny said. I, I'd like to say it in a way that before Rosh Hashanah is uh, kind of, and um, they always say, you know, and that um, you have to follow the, the leaders that you have in your time because the, you, the, the generation gets the leaders that they deserve. Um, and I think that we're living in a time um, where what we're starting to see is that the population is better than its leadership, which I think is quite a fascinating phenomenon. But that's really how I view these elections. Um, I don't think only one leader lied to us. Uh, the example that you gave, I don't think I agree with, personally. I think a lot of what, what, what a lot of people did across the spectrum was try to divide us in very, very ugly ways. Um, um, scare tactics and, and negativity and, and hatred and, and, and division um, was what at least two, if not more, of the parties voted on, and ran on, and then the other parties in defense voted on ran on the same thing and everybody caused hysteria. At the end of the day, though, I think if you look at the results of the election and even beyond just the results of the election, if you just look at the, the way the general Israeli population functions – it's a lot healthier than the dysfunction at the top. Um, again, if the, pol- if the politicians didn't have personal vendettas between them, we could have a government either left or right in 10 seconds. It's about, and, and again, this is a post by Sivan Rav my year that I saw this in, if anybody wants to look it up, where she where she points this out. And we won't go into the politics, but very clearly, but the reason we don't have a government is not because there isn't blocks. It's because X won't sit with Y and Y won't sit with Z and Z promises constituents... Some type of a thing and he can't go back on what he promised, but it's not really about values. Um, I think that, yes, there are disagreements in the country. I'm not trying to minimize those disagreements and they're real and they're important, but I think at the end of the day, the people are in a much healthier place. Klaus Israel does not hate each other. They may disagree about things, but they also, there's a lot of common ground. Um, I don't think that there are Many of them, I don't think that a lot of them are in extreme angry places. I don't think that they're in radicalized places. I don't think they're coming from places of, of hate. I think people really just want what's best for themselves and for the country. Um, and therefore, I, I agree with Johnny that I, I, would, lo- I would love it if, um, if the people could, could demand more and better from the leaders. Uh, and um, I, I don't know how you do that. I don't know if it's even possible so I will leave it as you know. I will put it in, in the hands of a kaddish baruch. Hu. That's always what I do, when I dive in, you know, um, in certainly every day in Rosh Hashanah. Uh, it, not just in Rosh Hashanah, but but in Shemone Esrei for a just leadership. I think about this all the time. But certainly in Rosh Hashanah, when we ask for um, for 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 a world that is run according to the divine principles of ethical. Um, social justice. And, and again, based on good leadership coming from above, I'm going to put it in God's hands and ask him to help, to help us and to help our leaders um, find a path forward that is, that is able to hold complexity and able to make good decisions based on real reasons and not from from places of um, values and, and, um, and and wisdom, and not from places of personal gain.
0: Thank you. I actually want to uh, share a thought that's totally unrelated, but I think similarly, uh, similar related to what Mali just concluded on. So I actually um, I teach a program in Mishnah online every day. You can go to Mishnah Yomit program, and right now we're in So we just actually started the Mishnah of uh, the ten things that were created erev Shabbat Beina Shmasho. Why these things were created. Shabbat, I'm sure Johnny has uh, thoughts, he'll share me a long essay on email about. But one of the things, so they list a whole bunch of things, and then the Mishnah says, You know, Yeshua some say, the Mazikim, devils, demons, whatever, the birthplace of Moshe, and the ram that Abraham Avinu found, caught, that was stuck in the thicket that he used in place of Yitzchak. Was created, ben hashmashot. was created during the six days of creation. That was an old Ram, that's fine, it was a thousand years old or whatever, several thousand years old. Uh, but like this idea sort of blows my mind. Because on the one hand, we, we always think about the Akedah as being this incredible test of Abraham Binu. It was a combination of the ten tests, and it was it was a similar it was great faith. That HaKadosh, Baruch, that, that HaKadosh Baruch asked him, sacrifice your beloved, sacrifice Yitzchak, and Abraham Vinu, even though the Midrash says he had difficulty and struggled and had questions, in the end, he went, he did it, he was willing to submit, and we invoke the Zchut Avot of Abraham Vinu over and over and over. That's one of the main zichronot. we the, the ram's horn, the shofar, the ayil. You know, all of this invokes the memory of this, of this uh, great act of the Akedah. But then I learned that the Midrash says, one second, that HaKadosh Baruch had that aisle ready for him, even from the beginning of time. That on the, that God sort of, I don't know, either knew that Avraham Avinu would make that choice, or presented the, the replacement for Yitzchak. It was created even before Avram Avinu even had that choice. And it's kind of a mind-blowing thing, Well, so then Did Avraham Avinu, like, yes, of course, he did decide to sacrifice Yitzchak, but did he really? Because the isle was already created, ready for him to offer in his stead. And so it, it makes me feel like on the one hand, yes, we have choices and our politicians have choices, but in the end, the solution, the resolution, the ayon Abraham abinu was already created in Mashot. And I think that that's something that sort of relates to what Mali said, that there is complexity and there's challenges and there's difficulties and we don't have to know all the answers, but we have to have that faith that the solution to our problems, that the resolution was, was created is waiting for us if we only knew what we know how to find it. That's my, uh, that's my two cents thought as we look towards Russia Hashanah. All right, I think we're going to wrap thank it here. I want to thank Molly Brodsky and uh, Johnny Solomon. Johnny, you have a thought you want to share about the... Uh, I, I no, it's a
2: lovely thought, and I was going to just wish our listeners Shana Shanatova M'vorechet. Thank you very much. Shana, tovah, Shana, tovah one Shana
0: tovah one to Molly. Shana to all of you. Okay? My name is Ruben Spalter. Um, if you have any comments on this, we always love getting your comments. You can email any of us. You can email us or... Find us on Facebook. I want to thank my son, Dr. Folter, for the music at the beginning and end of the podcast. And that everyone should have a good, happy, and healthy